Hi, it's Mike Morse. Welcome to another episode of Open Mic. So happy that you're here watching and listening. Today, we have Emily Goudreau. She is an expert on parenting, from what I can tell. I've been reading through her materials. I've been listening to her podcasts, How to Raise a Maverick. We are now friends on Facebook, and I'm part of her community. And I'm going through these uh, posts, and I'm thinking to myself, this could be the longest podcast in the history because it's about parenting. It's about raising healthy kids. It's about raising kids to be mavericks, and we're going to talk about what that means. And I have lots of questions, and uh, so this doesn't go three hours. Let's bring on Emily right away. You never know who you're going to see. Be one guy one-on-one my whole career. What you're going to hear. Not a lot of desperate people in the city. Or what they've got to say. When you can take people inside of a crime. That's what you're going to hear on my podcast, Open Mic. Find it where you find your podcasts. Hi, Emily. What's up, Mike? How's it going? It's going good. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Like I said, I'm in, I'm in New Orleans. So yeah. uh, the gods, gods are with us. There's not even any rain right now, so I'm excited. That's amazing. As I told <laughs> you before we started, uh, New Orleans is my probably my top three cities in America. It's and, so cool. Uh, I can't wait to get back to see you and see your city. And I hope you know the hurricanes miss you all season. I hope the music starts playing soon. That's what we're I almost wish. there. We're almost yeah. there. So. <laughs> So, let, you know, I didn't read your full bio. I, 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 I do that sometimes. But, you know, you, you live in New Orleans. You teach parents and caregivers nationwide on how to keep their kids safe from sexual abuse without having to become a dreaded helicopter parent. Yes. Um, you worked for Playboy magazine doing some photography uh, back in 2008. We're going to get into that. And... You know, what? one reason I really wanted you on, I don't, you don't know this yet probably, uh, but I have three daughters of my own. Some of the issues you've been dealing with in your podcasts and on your Facebook group are things that I deal with. Uh, my kid's mother and I deal with all the time and, and, and how, and the things that, um, you know, starting, you said here, you started raising Maverick of Maverick, which aligned with your real purpose to protect the beautiful physical expression of love from being used as a tool to manipulate profit from and cause pain. I just thought that was so beautiful. Yeah. So let's talk about it. Let's talk how, I mean, you know, you used to be a photographer. Why don't we start there and how it transported you into this new uh, realm of, of work? Yeah. So I used to be a commercial advertising photographer um, I would work for, say, like Rachel Ray has a recording label. I would do some work for her and her husband, John Cusimato, and their band. Um, a lot of advertising work, magazines. And one of the jobs that I got during that time was uh, Playboy. So how it transitions from there. And a lot of this, I'll be honest, is kind of backtracking. You end up having a passion for something. And then you're like, why am I here? Why am I so passionate about it? And you don't realize that it's been building up through your whole life. So, um, yeah, I did my uh, did the work for Playboy. And at the time, I had really, as a woman, bought into the idea of feminism and basically like sex work being a, like women can do what they want. It's them using their power um, to make money and. I had fully, fully bought into that piece and that pornography was fine and like no big deal. And uh, during the photo shoot, I had a moment and this happens as a photographer because you kind of tune everything out and you're feeling for something deeper that you're trying to capture. And I was photographing this gal and she just had something, something was going on deeper, like a like a pain or a her or, you know, it was, I mean, let's be honest. Playboy is like a euphemism for pornography. What was happening on set was tamer than anything you see in Cosmo. I mean, it was not <laughs> crazy. You know, Playboy has this reputation of being crazy, but let's, let's be honest. It was seriously tame. Anyways, I got home and I processed the photos and put my camera away. And that was the last time I ever took photos and now, now as I've been doing the work that I'm doing now, I realize that that look, and I see it, I still see it today in different people. And I can, I can point it out and I can say that is childhood trauma and you can feel it, you can see it. And once you recognize it, I can see somebody on the street and just be like, that's, you know what that look that is, that's trauma. That's 
sexual trauma. Well, do you have formal training in in uh, social work or psychology? I mean, I don't the, the transition from going from a prof- professional yeah. photographer to helping parents identify and, and help kids um, through these murky waters is a huge jump. So how did it's I don't, huge? I don't yeah. Get it. Um, so I've, I've done some work doing, uh, care for, um, special needs kids and various things like that, but this is, this is different and it's, you know, I'm not a therapist, but I'm an educator. So I just started diving into it once I had my daughter and within our family and circle of friends, we had a series of incidences where, you know, one of, one of the girls was online and she had contacted, um, she's in contact with somebody and the contact was intercepted by, I don't know, the internet crimes unit or something like that. And she was scheduled to meet up with this guy and they stopped it from happening. And, you know, it was just this series of events that left up, like, who's going to, who's going to fix this? Like, what's going on? Like people stop this. We have to stop. It's this like freight train. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do, it. I'm gonna do it for everybody I know in my family and my daughters. Like, you know, my daughter, I have a stepdaughter as well. But, um, I, I mean, qualifications. I was like, I can, I can do this. No, <laughs> you know, okay. and I also have, um, I guess, in some ways, I have the the knowledge of being a female who had been convinced that this was an this was an okay pornography was something that was totally normal and healthy for women to be doing um and during this period of time also when i was working for playboy i also worked for another store that's this is like in 2008 so like advertising business was going down anybody that would call me to do a photo shoot i'm like i'm there if you've got cash I'll, i'm taking photos right. so it was this sex positive store in Albuquerque, New Mexico called self-serve. And I had no idea about this, but um, they sold sex toys and things like that. And they had like a pornapalooza um, where it was like this pot, it was like this positive pornography uh, videos and stuff like that, that they were advertising. And um, it, it sent me for the first time, and this is in 2008. So I was, I was an adult, but it sent me down this rabbit hole because I was looking, clicking on the links to their site, seeing what they were doing. And as much as they advertised positive pornography, ethical pornography, that's not where I was led on the site. I was led down to seeing some of the most horrific stuff. And I'm no prude. Like I've seen, I've seen everything there is to see online, but that was the first time. And I, I thought, oh my gosh, like this is real. This is accessible to everyone. Oh my gosh, like this is heinous, heinous stuff. And that nothing in the realm of positive or ethical is going on here. I mean, it's just like, that is such a misguided term. You know, it's uh, just kind of, it's like being a vegan, which I'm not, I love me, but, um, and being like, oh, slaughtering is okay. And there's ethical slaughter and stuff like, yeah, but it's very blurry. It's very, very, very blurry. Um, yeah. So that's what got me revved up is just being exposed unintentionally to stuff that I can still see those images right now, even though I've seen worse things that first time you're exposed to the violent pornography, it's there forever. Yeah. That sounds horrific. I, I actually have never seen violent pornography and I never want to. Good. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, you're talking about sex trafficking. You're talking a lot about porn. Um, you know, something on your site was about how kids are learning how to have sex or sexual encounters through porn. I mean, Pornhub, from what I understand, is they're free. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, and anybody can access this. Um, you know, I, I have, like I said, three daughters. One's 12. Uh, the other two, my other two daughters luckily have, uh, you know, as far as we know, have not, you know, dealt with that. Um, um, sex trafficking is scary as hell. And oh I think gosh, a lot yeah. of parents heads are in the sand because every time I dive in and I read a, a deep article on it, it's scary and it's way more prolific than any of us know. Um, so, I mean, there's so much to talk about, but like when it comes to, 
I don't know if I want to go to porn first or we want to talk about sex trafficking, but I guess the real question is, how do you how do you keep a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, 15-year-old younger safe? Because you know what? We could talk about monitoring what they do, but it doesn't work. I mean, how do you monitor? Yeah. I, I, I've tried it. With my first daughter, I had, you know, I had all these things and, and on the computers and on their phones and, <clears throat> and it's just, they're clever. It doesn't work. No, they're smart. So, and if they want to, you know, do stuff, they're going to do it. Um, so what are your best parent? What's your best parenting advice to parents to monitor their kids for things like porn, for things like sex trafficking? So the biggest thing about <laughs> keeping kids safe is you, I'm going to, actively, I'm just going to inspire you not to give your kid a smartphone. It is literally like hand, sending them in to a sex shop like times 10. Okay. Hold um, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I've heard that advice. How old is your daughter? She's, uh, she's seven. Okay. So I've read lots of different things when you're supposed to do that. What's your goal? When do you think that you're not, when, what's your goal when you're going to give her her first uh, tablet or, or phone? Um, to be honest, I've told her already, she can't have it till she can pay for the whole thing herself, including the service. That's something I, I absolutely want no part of. She can have, I'll get her a phone. There's a, it's called a gab phone where you can text and you can't share pictures. That's one of the things that gets kids into a ton of trouble is sharing the pictures. Um, Cause then they're spreading child pornography if they're, you know, and sexting and things like that. So there's, they look like smartphones and they could call and they can text, they can take pictures, but they can't send pictures. Okay. I didn't know that that didn't, I don't know if that technology existed when no, my kid was no. seven, but I'll tell you by the time your kid's 10, every single one of her friends is going to have a smartphone. Oh, and, for sure. And she is going to be relentless on you. Uh, all day, every day, mom, why can't I have a phone? All my friends have phones. Why don't you trust me? I'm a good kid. I tell you the truth. I'm doing my homework. Yep. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I've been through this, Emily, yeah. three times. You have no idea what you're about to be in store for. But anyway, keep going on your hands. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it's tough, but it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's not the effects of pornography on kids and girls and how boys are treating girls is just, we all, that's the problem is like everybody else is doing it. We've all got to hold our ground on this. It's, it took a hundred years for the automobile to design or for the technology or knowledge or wherewithal to create child car seats. I mean, I don't know if you can remember when seat belts were even hardly a thing. It takes a long time for the impact on children of new technology to fully be realized. And it's, this is so blatant. Um, I can't, I, yeah. Anyway, so there's that piece. And I want to talk about sex trafficking. Um, well, let's, let's go back to the, the phones and yeah. keeping your kids safe. I from, cut you, you know? off. I cut you off. I, the, the, the question I asked you was, you know, best parenting advice. And I think, listen, if you, you're, you're in this, you're in this world, you're in, uh, it's not a business, but you're in this business. Um, you're reading, you're more All knowledgeable than most, <laughs> right? So telling your daughter at age five, six, seven, you're going to have a basic phone. You're never going to have this until you can pay for it. I think it's smart. Okay. I think that's great advice. I wish I would have done it. You're like, good luck. <laughs> um, I'm like, good luck. We're, I'm going to call you in three years Yeah, and, yeah. uh, and see how, see if you were able to stick to it because I'm telling you, uh, it's, these kids are relentless, but anyway, what is the next, you know, what else, what else can so us parents do? The, the biggest mistake, especially with the young kids past the age of 12, your kids are probably going to be getting through, um, if they intentionally are looking for something, they're going to be able to get through all your parental controls. Um, you, you've got to put the parental controls on, but my daughter searches for love. She loves love movies. She likes the Disney dramas with like the, like the kissing. She loves that already. So she's looking for it online. She searches it out online. Like she's already looking for it and she's, she's seven, you know? So you've got to have the parental controls on your, it doesn't matter like good kids, bad kids. That's not what we're, it's got nothing to do with it. And like I said, it, you, porn is coming for them. 
this stuff is coming for them, not that they are necessarily going to seek it out. And uh, parents are in massive denial. Oh, they can't get through this. And they're sending the iPad up into the bedroom. No, <laughs> your kids need to be in a, a communal space watching their movies. Do not send them up into the bedroom. The amount of parents that we deal with that are like, oh, my daughter's been watching pornography for years and we had no idea she was so showing signs of sexual abuse. So they were going through therapy and then come to find out it's, it was the pornography. It is sexual abuse. You know, the, let me ask you a question. So my daughter, my kids are extremely honest and yeah. they, but they, but, that's hard to deal with too. I have no, a, I know. And <laughs> one of them has said, you know, my daughter, uh, I'm sorry, my friend, taught us what yeah. a sex act was. And, you know, that's obviously troubling. You know, you can't keep these kids away from each other. And the other thing, Emily, is you can't keep, when, when you deny a kid sugar cereal and they go to their friend's house, what's the first thing they eat? Sugar cereal. Exactly. So, so you know, if you deny, you know, I remember my wife and I at the time were trying to, limit TV watching. We were those parents at the beginning and like, okay, an hour a day that turned into, you know, three. And then they go to friends' houses and they end up watching and doing whatever. Cause then the phones are shared. The, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it, that, that's, it's, well, let's, let's, let's dive into that because there's a massive difference between just like the sugar going over to a friend's house and going crazy on sugar, as opposed to having sugar all day, every day, you know, it's, are they going to see it elsewhere? Yes. And like, kudos to you because your daughters are telling you stuff. That is, that is what we want because they are going to see stuff and then they are going to need to process it. And you're like, okay, well tell me how that felt when somebody said that about that, you know, or this is what that really is. And you're, you're able to process it. The problem is, is when kids can't process it. I mean, the problem is kids seeing it in the first place, but it's like a poison. They need to detox from it. It becoming a, a formative memory is what we don't want. Um, and addiction to pornography is real. Your kids are going to be exposed to pornography and, uh, potential people who are trying to traffic them and whatnot at a friend's house. Yes, absolutely. If their parents are, you know, with their head in the sand and not dealing with that, but them having access all the time. And also what you allow in your house, you approve, you know, it's, you know, if you having sugar in your house all the time and they're just like bottles of Coke and like, that's how, that's how you do it. That's fine. Whatever. Um, you're approving of it. And it's important for the kids to have that base of, we don't do this. My parents, yeah. like in the background, like we don't, this is not what, my dad wouldn't do that. Right. My, you know, kids, my kids still call me and say, dad, I'm at so-and-so's house. Can I have a pop? I mean, my uh, kids are like, <laughs> the rule following is outrageous. And I don't even know how I did that. Cause I promise you, Emily, I was not a rule follower when I was a child. That's awesome. Wow. But, but, but you know, I'm, I'm so, Porn has not reached my kids' life as far as I know, mm -hmm. but but kids talking about sex, kids yeah. trying to teach about sex. I don't know how how prolific is it, and are is my head in the sand? Um, I've never asked. Have you seen porn? And uh, I've never asked a question. They've never told me. I've never asked it. So you know, again, twelve year old, but you know, lots of people here are going to have different age parent, uh, different age children. You know, how do you, how should I ask my 12 year old? Why, what's the conversation I'm having? So part, part of it is the base of the body safety rules is, um, you know, that nobody's allowed to touch anywhere underneath your swimsuit. And you know that nobody's allowed to take photos of your private parts and nobody's allowed to show you photos of private parts. So those are part of your body safety rules. Like, you know, that that's not right. And, and what would you do if somebody did that is what would you say? You know, what if, uh, what if you told your mom and she didn't believe you? Um, and you know, a lot, a lot, this is, this is kind of a little bit of a segue, but a lot of single moms really need to listen up on this because, uh, kids of divorced homes are 
20 times more likely to be sexually abused than if both parents live in the house. Mm. Um, and a lot of that's got to do with boyfriends coming into the house. So wow. the single moms really need to listen. And, and also uh, the dads to be aware, to have that good communication with their kids, you know, that, you know, if, if anything ever happens, you can tell me, or, you know, who, who, if you didn't feel like you could come to me, who would you go to? And if they didn't believe you, who would you go to? But anyways, that's where the conversation pulls the pornography in is nobody's allowed to show you pictures of private parts. That's um, smart. That's smart. Yeah. And then they'll, they'll tell you like, Hey, so somebody show me a picture of this or whatever. And then you can say, okay, well, that's a, that's a work of art. And it, you can see that at a gallery. Um, and the reason why this or whatever, you know what I mean? There'll be that conversation, um, like nudity and art. We get that conversation all the time here. Cause we'll go to an art gallery and she's like, mom, I wanted to show you this because she doesn't have any clothes on. I'm like, okay, thank you. And you just keep the conversation going. Yeah. But, and it, as the kids get older, what is, you know, um, what is your opinion on, you know, I remember my childhood, uh, my parents weren't all that open about sex and we never talked about pornography. And, you know, what you learn is passed down usually from friends, right. uh, older, yeah. older kids. Um, you know, luckily I have a great ex-wife who's a great partner who talks to my daughters. You know, we've kind of, we have our columns and yeah. uh, I, I, def <laughs> I definitely let her uh, take that over. I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm very present in my kids' lives um, every yeah, day. Yeah, but there's, yeah, there's a certain role in it as long as it's being like, Addressed. as long as it's being done. <laughs> yeah. But, but it doesn't stop kids uh, from, from teaching and talking and it's not usually malicious. It's like, Oh my God, I heard what this sex act was. And I remember as a kid hearing that and being like, what people are doing what? Yeah. And so is that inappropriate? I mean, you think in an ideal world, it's all coming from the parent, but how do you stop kids from talking? Yeah, you don't. And here's here's the one rule for parents teaching sex ed to their kids is um, you never share your personal stories. No, no child wants to hear about mom and dad's sex life um, ever. You know, um, I did, I you know, things like the other day, uh, my daughter was in aftercare after school. And this girl was telling her that she had a girlfriend, she's in fifth grade and she had a girlfriend she met online and, um, that, you know, you know, and I was, I was asking my daughter, you know, do you think that that's real? Um, that she had a girlfriend and, um, she said, well, she swore. And I said, have you ever swore stuff that's not real? I remember when we were in school, we used to pretend like we had boyfriends or girlfriends and really we were at home during summer, you know, that kind of stuff. But when it comes to actual sex stuff, nobody wants to hear about mom and dad. Uh, yeah, I know I, that, that, that makes sense. It, 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 when you were just saying that, what's your sense, Emily, from what you research and when you were a kid, do you think that kids these days are actually more scared, more on alert for these types of things? The ones with the ones coming from parents who are present and talk to their kids. I'm finding from not just my children, but other kids that the kids are more on alert these days, more, uh, you know, I, maybe it's because the parents are doing a good job saying you yeah. don't talk to anybody you don't know online because they're all playing the Robloxes and the and the Minecrafts and there's chats and there's people in these rooms chatting and we've all heard as parents that's where people yeah. develop relationships. But I'm telling you, my kids are scared and uh, no. I don't scare them, but they come back and they say, "Yeah, I had a stranger try talk, ask me where I lived." And I wouldn't tell them, Dad. And, I, and I'm like, okay, that's smart. You don't yeah. do that. But what is your sense? Do you find that the, the kids are more on alert? You know, it's it's either they're afraid, and there's pros and cons to that as well, or they're completely oblivious. And, you know, kind of circling back around to the sex trafficking stuff, a lot of the, a lot of the kids that are in sex trafficking have been handed over by their parents or are being trafficked by their parents. So uh, this it sounds, the sex trafficking world, and the reason I'm, I'm saying that is, 
you've got the parents who are woke and are talking and they're in good schools and they're in good communities and their their friends have parents who you know kids come over and they say don't talk to anybody you guys know you're not supposed to talk to anybody if they you know on the video games like it's a community of good parents you know it's not just it's you and everybody else's houses that they're going to and then you have kids that are outside of those circles and um, where, I, I mean, I experienced this as well during COVID when times get stressed, things get really lenient. You know, I, we do, I try not to do any screen time and man, I was like, <laughs> go oh for it all day. I, I could care less right now. It's triple. Oh yeah. Um, and Me, usually my, mine is too, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. I was like, it, are we alive? Just like, that's the least of my worries right now. So when when things get stressful, parenting skills drop drastically. And um, what you care about, wh what you're concerned about drops drastically. And in lower income families, or in not even that, just like high stress environments and stuff, it just takes it down. And those parents aren't watching. Or the biggest thing that I'm learning from the work that I do is... Um, it's actually the parents that we need to be worried about. A lot of times parents of seemingly normal families, seemingly having plenty of money, um, weird stuff is going on behind the scenes. Yeah, no, that's, that's a shame. So I, in the interest of time and, and I'm not, we're not ending this anytime soon. Uh, I have a list of a bunch of, um, topics that you've covered uh, uh, in your Facebook group. Why don't we give a plug for that real quick, uh, Emily? So if people want to get more parenting advice, talk to you, uh, engage you in, in some co parent coaching, for lack of a better word, yeah. I'm not sure what you call it. Um, where's the best place to find you? If you just Google how to raise a maverick, everything leads back to me. You can ping me on Facebook, Instagram, all that. And what does maverick mean to you? So what what's the definition of that? Yeah. So a maverick, Samuel E. Maverick was kind of the original maverick. Everybody thinks of Top Gun, but um, he, Samuel Maverick was a rancher and he would not, he was, they said he was maybe lazy or whatever. He wouldn't brand his cows. And so anybody that found a calf or a cow that wasn't branded, it was mavericks. And that's where the first where the word was coined or where it came from is somebody who's just doing their own thing. And the biggest part of that is kids going out essentially unbranded. They're mingling, they're doing life, but they're not tagged from, um, you know, say abuse or feeling like they need to, especially with the sexual stuff, everybody needs to like brand themselves. I'm bisexual, I'm trans, I'm, whatever. Um, and just enjoying life and growing to their full potential, unbranded, untagged. And mm. especially with the sexual abuse, I, my goal really is for kids to become adults who find their own thing. I'm not, I'm not against people being kinky and weird. Like that's great. If you found that on your own and you weren't manipulated as a child by somebody who was abusing you or by the porn industry. And you grew up and you're like, whoa, I'm really into whatever. And I found this other person that's really into whatever and life's great and you have fun. But okay. the, you know, that's the thing is my problem is being kids being shaped at an early age about sexual preference and ideas around sexuality and specifically violence and sexuality before they even, even had a chance. Actually, um, pregnancies are way down. Kids actually having sex is way down and everybody's like, yay. I don't know. I don't know. It's actually, I mean, taking pregnancy is, is horrible, but we can deal with that. We've got birth control. Um, but it's really sad. Like that's, that's like one of the better parts of being a human is falling in love and having sex. It's a, it's one of the gifts of being a human <laughs> and, sure. and to have that be so twisted and it's really your sexuality becomes voyeurism only. 
and you're only watching it and you're only talking about it, that's just weird. That's weird. That's like missing out. You're missing out on a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of lessons to be learned and, you know, relationships early on, um, having that physical contact with somebody just in a healthy way. And the, the, but as you're talking, I'm, I'm, it's confusing because, you know, when these 15, 16 year old kids are, are doing those things you just said and thinking that they're falling in love, or maybe they are falling in love and, and, and experimenting, you know, without any guidance, it's, 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 uh, it's a little, I mean, they're a little clueless. And oh, so totally. where, where are the, I mean, it, you know, hopefully a parent is, is teaching, you know, it's funny. I'm, it's just that I, I'm reading a uh, Harry Potter right now with my daughter, my 12 year old and Harry Potter's clueless, right? And he's yeah. had a horrible upbringing. He's got no parents and he's got horrible uncle and a, a horrible uncle and aunt. Nobody's talking to him about this stuff. And he's kissing for the first time. Cho, he doesn't even know what a kiss is really. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, it's, you know, that's, I, I, is that your ideal world that they're just going to figure it out together and without any outside influence? Well, I mean, we have sexual education in schools, which I mean, there's, um, okay. I have a lot to, I have a ton to say about that, <laughs> right. but, um, I mean, really sexual education in schools was initially put in after world war two, or maybe it was, I mean, I can't remember which one, but, um, for disease, disease education. It was really like um, heavily influenced by fundamentalist Christians and it was um, abstinence-based. And then there was a massive swing and um, Planned Parenthood is seriously involved in it now, as is the LGBT plus community um, has a, a lot to do with it. So there's a, there's a lot going on there that, um, I think is above and beyond what needs to be happening. I think personally, uh, being medically safe against uh, disease and pregnancy, um, those those are the biggest things. Everything else, they need to figure out on their own. Hmm. Okay, they really do. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know about what was your what was your experience. I. I I remember first awkward kisses, and yeah, you're just kind yeah. of figuring it out. It's awesome, right? Um, Kind of awesome, kind of awkward. <laughs> right, yeah, that's uh, how it's supposed to be. But then there were older kids saying, hey, this is what this sex, sex act means and how you do it. And I'm like, what? Can you draw me a picture of that? Because yeah. I, don't I don't understand <laughs> yeah, that Yeah, but one. is that where you went? Were you like, oh, and now I'm going to go do that? No, 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 no. No, it no. Was, it, was, it was decades before I did that. But, right, uh, right. So you, you but, went and you had your own like experience with another awkward person. Or yeah. persons or yeah, whatever, yeah, 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 <laughs> whatever, yeah. you know? Right. But, but there, yeah. Uh, but not, but I didn't have the internet back then. Right. So you you didn't have blogs to read or, or videos to watch, which is what you, you what we're talking about here. Right. Um, and yeah. And now we have kids. I mean, to be brute, to be really honest, the increase of girls going into the ER with, um, tearing specifically like anal tearing because of violent sex that they tried or is being tried on them is increasing drastically. So there's a, there's a lot of, um, education that needs to happen with the boys, especially around like the anal sex part that they think that that is the way to go hmm. and it needs to be violent and brutal or, you know, they're, they don't have game. Nobody, there's, there's no, like, I don't know about you, but like, like Top Gun, like I grew up on that kind. That was basically in my mind, porn as a kid. Like that was this long drawn out love scene and like, um, like a little bit of flirting, a little bit of dating. And it was like this whole thing that led up to like really slow, nice, sweet lovemaking. Right. Like there's nothing out there. I'm like, please show your kids Top Gun. Right. <laughs> now the kids want to hang out. I could put that in quotes if I wanted. There's yeah. really no dating. <laughs> right. I don't, I might, I mean, my kids aren't dating. There's no, no such thing. They, there's, they hang out, uh, is what I'm learning. And, yeah. uh, so yeah, life, life is definitely different. Um, 
and it's not as, yeah, it's not as innocent. It's definitely not as, well, there's just so much information coming at them. Um, it feels like there should be a uh, course, and I'm not, I don't think through our lovely school systems, but I think there should, I mean, think about having a course with a very uh, uh, educated person who could teach 15-year-old boys and girls, probably separate, uh, about the, about it, about the do's and don'ts, about the, just about, I don't even know what I'm talking Cons- about right now. Consent. Uh, it, well, consent cons- is one, one, this is the, this is my biggest consent. pet peeve with the sex education in the U S they are so concerned about gender studies right now. Um, they have these massive sections of, we, need to make sure that everybody knows, like, if you want to be a boy, you can be a boy. And if you want to be a girl, you can be a girl. We, you can choose what you want, which I think is wildly, wildly confusing. Um, because everybody I know that's trans, no, they don't need to be told, like, I know I can be a girl because like they are a girl or, a, you know, you know, and those, those folks are fairly rare. Um, but just to go into junior high or high school and be like, oh, you know, I, I, I think I, I'm a little more masculine. I think I'm, I think I'm a boy. We're talking about that, which is just like, oh my gosh, that is like way, way, way down the line. People with gender dysphoria are usually that's popping up when they're toddlers, like when they're starting to walk and they're picking their clothes and like they, they know that they are girls or boys, um, but they're not teaching consent. It's a good point. California is the only uh, state that requires consent to be a discussion. I'm like, what are we, are you kidding? <laughs> like, let's, let's get a, rid of like a massive amount of problems and do a deep dive in what it means for somebody con- to s- consent. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, no. Right. A, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, before anything. Yeah. There's a lot here. It's a lot. There's a lot here. <laughs> That's why I said we could go on forever. But here's what I want to do with you for the next 20 minutes or so. Um, I want to do like a rapid fire because uh, I know you've done episodes. I'm horrible you- at these. I'm horrible at these. Well, it's not rapid fire. I'll do fire. my best. I'll do my now, best. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a minute or two okay. answer on each of these topics. So I know you've done podcasts. You have over 200 great podcasts. Yep. I've listened to everyone. Just no, <laughs> you have not. Um, I've listened to a few. Cause I do my research on my people and, um, and the ones that I'm going to talk about, uh, I found it very interesting. So let's go to allowance. Oh yeah. Your last episode that you posted. Yes. Um, are you, are you, are you for allowance? Are you against allowance? What's the best way to give your kids allowance? Okay. So, um, you've got to check out the pie, that episode and, I can't, I'm forgetting his name right now just because I'm on the spot, but um, Money Mammals is the program. Um, but he does, uh, s- depending on the year, so my daughter's seven, so it's $7 a week, and she needs to save, give, and then she can spend. And th- that's not, she doesn't earn the money. And specifically, I believe his name is John said, the reason you don't want to combine chores with money is because it creates, um, an imprint of negativity around money. And you want to foster a real positive feeling around the money. So she gets $7 a week, but that's, that's for everything she wants, you know, and as she gets older, you know, she's, you know, 12, 15, we can like make the number higher. They're in charge of their clothes. And if they're in charge of their school lunches. Yeah. I can't wait to call you in three years and see if this is happening. <laughs> uh, you have no idea what you're in store for, Emily. Well, you know, I have stepkids there in their <laughs> 20s now. So oh, and they're, and they're all self-sufficient, you know? Yeah. We've, we've got one that had a traumatic brain injury that he's, he's, he's struggling a little bit, but um, Yeah. Wait They're the out kids, doing their things. When the kids want that $150 sweatshirt. Oh my gosh, can, you have no make... idea of me. <laughs> my poor daughter. She's like, you're so mean. I'm like, you have no idea. <laughs> oh boy. I bet it, maybe I'll just ship my kid down to you in New Orleans. And, I'm, uh... You know, I grew up, my family was w- unbelievably strict. 
unbelievably oh. strict. So that's in my DNA, okay. unfortunately. So this would um, probably be a good uh, occupation for you. Yeah. My, my family had money, but my dad has the same carpet in the house from 40 years ago, the same couch, like the same, like everything is bought forever. So it's like, we didn't go without, but I never, never once took money. Like, Hey dad, can I have money to go? So where? No, no. <laughs> and, what, and you worked early. I'll bet you started oh, yeah. making money early. But I will say this, there's a downside to that. I moved out when I was 15. Oh, that's early. And when you become independent, yeah, oh. and you can choose your own plot in life, you do. <laughs> okay. So yeah. the allowance key is don't make allowance tied to chores. Right. That's separate. Uh, an idea is do it by the age that they are. Yeah. Uh, teach them how to save, teach them how to give, and teach them how to spend. Yeah. And uh, with the saving, um, money mammals is a. Uh, they have a jar, you cut out a picture of what they want and you put it on there and you kind of, kind of mark how close they are to getting it. Um, and hopefully they make tons of mistakes and they buy stupid stuff or they waste things or, you know, that's, that's honestly the goal is for the mistakes to happen early. So as soon as they're out on their own, they've got this real sense of how to manage their money, how to save. Okay. I like yeah. that. All right. Let's go on to another fun subject. Alcohol. Um, I saw that you have something. I don't know if you did an episode on this yet, but you did. You posted something on your Facebook, uh, your, in your private uh, room, that said parents who allow their kids to sip alcohol are four times more likely to become alcoholics. And uh, I, I broke into a deep sweat when I read that because I, <laughs> I, I've given, you know, I, I remember my dad in the 70s. Uh, doing a couple things to me. Number one, letting me puff on his cigar, which oh, of course <laughs> never made me want to smoke a cigar no, again. No, no, no. And second, would taste a vile scotch or something. And at, at, the, at the young ages, it's it was a repellent for me. I'm definitely not an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I was I was curious about that. You know, teaching kids. Kids are drinking younger. Kids are. I mean, college. I don't know if you were. At 18, 19, had a beer or two or whatever. I mean, kids are doing that. But yeah. what's your what's your take on, on alcohol? You know, I posted that because that was a surprise to me too because I didn't know how to handle alcohol. Because, you know, there's in Italy, they have them, you know, drink table wine. And um, I just didn't know what the right way was. And I mean, I had, anytime we got sick, we got cherry chocolate liqueur that went and like sent to bed, <laughs> that okay. was that, you know, um, and I'm not an alcoholic. Um, yeah. So that, that was something I found and I thought I'd share it. I, as far as alcohol goes, I, I don't know. Okay. I really don't know. Fair, fair answer. <laughs> Cause go, it's yeah, go ahead. We'll move go, on. Uh, we're going to drugs. Drugs. Okay. So, um, you know, I have a, I have a good friend who, uh, his kids were older than mine and now I have a 20 year old and an 18 year old. So they've gone through high school and, uh, I will keep them out of the discussion, but the, you know, let's just pick a, uh, let's pick marijuana and, you know, his, uh, take was, I don't want my kids going on street corners, getting marijuana. Uh, I, if they want to experiment or try it, I want to, um, get it for them. Um, if they want to smoke it, I don't want them smoking in back alleys. I, I'm going to let them smoke in my basement. I have friends who think the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. uh, marijuana is bad. You're not smoking. If I find you smoking, you're dead to me and I'm going to beat your butt. Um, they're not fostering anything. And I've had these debates. Um, I'm a little bit in the middle, but, but I'm just curious um, with what you're seeing and, and the research you're doing and you're in this field, I'm sure it comes up in your private sessions. You know, where, where do you, what do you think the best advice is for parents who are dealing with teenagers who they know are going to be around marijuana, who they know are going to want to experiment potentially? What do you think the safest way to do that is? 
Well, I moved, I just moved to New Orleans from Denver. So this is a really interesting topic on how to deal with it in Denver now that it's not illegal. I mean, it is still illegal for um, under 18 or under 21 if medical under 18. Um, so allowing kids, it's ha, it, making your house the place to come and smoke pot is, I mean, everybody needs to understand is like what you allow, you approve. And I know that we don't want our kids going to back alleys and, and getting into trouble and smoking marijuana that way. Um, but you're setting a precedence that this is, this is okay if you're allowing it to go on in your basement because you want it to happen there. Um, and young minds are not capable. I mean, there's a lot of damage that can be done to a young mind with marijuana. So education is the biggest thing. Uh, on harder, harder drugs, uh, I had Austin Eubanks was on my podcast quite a while ago, and he was shot in Columbine, the Columbine shooting in Colorado. And he got addicted to, um, he got ad addicted to drugs soon after because he was on the pain medicine. And he then was starting a high school for kids who were addicted specifically. Um, and he said, when, if, when he was in the doctor's office, if they had told him, he was like, I was a smart kid. If they had told me that I was going to get addicted to this, if I took too much or whatever, he said, I would have listened. I'm, you know, but I had nobody warned, nobody warned me what was going to happen. And he ended up, uh, overdosing. Gosh, it was like a, almost a year ago now. And he, he ended up not making it a lifetime of addiction. And it finally, he just couldn't, couldn't take it anymore. Um, but that that's the one piece from somebody who did suffer from a like serious addiction is if somebody had told me that I was going to get addicted, that I, I would have been smarter yeah. about it, you know, and as, as far as smoking marijuana, you can turn a blind eye and pretend like you're a dumb parent and not see stuff, but actually giving verbal permission for kids to illegally smoke marijuana in your house. No, I like that line you said, and I'm blank. You said, if you allow it, you condone it, or if you approve, approve yeah. it, same thing. If you allow it, you approve it. And that's, that's interesting. I mean, that, I mean, that's, it's, it's, it'll, it could go to anything. It could be, you know, if you're, if you're letting your kids drink early or you're, I know lots of parents who provide alcohol for their children in their basements. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's did not happen in my day but it's happening a lot now. I've never done it. I, my kids have never had a party in my basement. Um, I don't, yeah. I don't do that, but I, but listen, I'm not stupid. They go to somebody else's house whose parents yeah. do allow it. Yeah. And you know, I mean, that's just a reality. I mean, yeah. There's, there's... Well, it, the, I think, I think it's a good idea to say, you know, what kind of, and these words are twisted, but matriarch or patriarch of the family, do you want to be? Are you're a leader of your family. And when your kids look to you, are you wise or are you like lowering yourself to their level? And we need to have this precedent of like, we're not just going to like, oh, this is what everybody's doing it. So I'm going to do it. That's the maverick thing. Don't do it just because everybody else is doing it. <laughs> just because somebody's parents has got the phones and somebody else's parents is providing alcohol or letting them smoke weed. Like, no, we don't do that. We're different. And having that legacy of like, I mean, really we're better. We're better. We're different. We're wiser. We choose different. And are your kids going to go to other houses and get drunk? Hell yes. Are they going to smoke weed at somebody's house? Hell yes. But They're just not here at the end of the day, they'll be able to say my, Oh yes. My dad would never allow that. Like, and it, with like, but then you would a tone of respect. Yes. Yes. I like that. But then they're lying to you. Dad yeah. doesn't approve of this. So you're going somewhere else to do it. I'm not going to tell dad because he'll not be happy. I mean, I, that, I struggle with that. Well, there's, there's a difference between not allowing it in your home and, um, not having a level of communication. Cause it feels like your daughter's you know, are probably like, yeah, dad's not going to let us throw a party at the house. But if we told him we were at a party and we needed help, we could totally do that. Yes. There's the difference is 
it's not a judgment. It's just standards for our home. This is our safe space. Um, you know, and going back to the phones. So a lot of, a lot of times we've got these, the, the suicide rate, especially for girls is skyrocketing and it's direct, like they're finding it's directly, I can speak a little bit, (laughs) uh, connected to, uh, the smartphones. And what's happening is the kids are in there in their rooms all night long with bullying. And we dealt with bullying like more on a physical level than the kids do now. Um, but it's this onslaught. Whereas when we were young and generations before, like my grandpa got bullied really bad, you'd run into the house, shut the door, and he was safe. It was over. It would start the next day, but then it was over because he was in his home. Mm-hmm. Now the problem is, is like, it just keeps coming. Mm-hmm. You've got to create a space where it's like, I don't want to smoke weed. Let's go to my house. I don't want to get drunk. Let's go to my house. I don't want to watch porn. Let's go to my house. I don't want to be bullied. I want to be in my, I want to go to my house where oh, I know, I, like I know I have safety here. You, it's the, the, it's the one space in the world that you can control and that, you know, having the phones and all the parental lockdown, it's hard, but make it, you make your home a, a sanctuary or safe place to go. I don't want to have sex with my boyfriend. I'm going to go to my house. Yeah. No, the mean, the mean, I have to, I deal with mean girls because I, yeah. Oh gosh. But I was bullied, and you're right. It was it ended at school, and you'd go to your job or your house, and you'd be safe. That that's really it's a, it's smart to to put it in that perspective. But now, uh, you know, one of the better parenting things I've done is I have read text messages, I have busted into their phones, and I have found issues and problems that I have brought up, saying this is not a nice text. This person right. isn't being nice to you. You're not being nice to this person. Let's talk about it. And you know. The biggest consequence, I'm not the parenting expert, you are, but the biggest consequence is taking away that phone. And they don't want to lose that phone. Trust yeah. me, you will yeah. find that out when you finally, even if that little phone you're talking about, they're not going to want to give up that phone. Um, and as you were talking, one of the other things I have written here is, you know, your take on, do you want to be your child's friend or parent? And right. that is a... Um, that's an interesting one because I don't know a parent who doesn't want to be their kid's friend, doesn't want to be the cool dad or mom, right? Doesn't yeah. want to have that open line of communication. Tell me anything. I'm, I'm here. It's, it's, I feel like I'm both and yeah. I don't know where that line is. Um, I just made it safe. Uh, you know, my, my, one of my other best parenting things I think I've done is made my, made me safe that I've never gotten mad at my kids I've let them know, no matter what you tell me, we'll fix it. I'm not going to get mad at you. You're not going to be punished if you come to me. If I find out shit that you don't tell me, yeah, all bets are off. I may get pissed and you may get grounded or whatever, but it's always, they come to me with problems or issues or, um, you know, dad, I saw this drug at a party and it scared me. I didn't get mad. I didn't ground him. I didn't say you're not going to that party. We talked about that drug. Yeah. Um, but what's your, you know, what's your best advice for newer parents, for parents, you know, raising seven, eight, nine, ten year olds, um, about do they want to be the friend? Do they want to be the parent? I, you know, I think it's it's like you, kind of like you said, like not, you don't have to choose to not be a friend, um, but at the end of the day, your role as a parent is to raise kids. And this goes, this goes into the animal world as well to raise your offspring, to be able to take care of themselves on their own without you. Um, and a lot of times people confuse that friendship, um, when really they're not raising their kids, they're not empowering them to be independent, um, resilient, hardworking, ethical humans because they're so consumed with the friendship part. Like number one, you've got to make sure that your kids can live without you just like the animals do. (laughs) Like, is it up and running and like, can it feed itself? That's what, that's what we need to focus on and in the most loving way possible. And a friend, I, you know, I mean, is that being friendly? Is it being nice? Is it doing it respectfully? 
Yes. But those, those are the two main goals, loving them and getting them out on their own so they Smart. can su survive. Just kind of keep it simple and Smart. like, Oh, I'm going to do this for you. And I'm going to be your crutch. And yet now you're in college and I'm continuing to be your crutch. And it's like, okay, what's your number one goal? They need to be able to do this stuff on their own. And this like the allowance is a perfect, a perfect way um, setting clear boundaries within your home so that they can come home and be safe, whether they're in college or not. That doesn't mean handing them cash, <laughs> you know? Um, I guess okay. that's my, that's my personal take right. on that. I like it. And you know, another one I wrote, here that I am struggling with is how to keep the kids focused during this online learning process. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't know if you have any tips or tricks. You're talking to way more parents than I am about it. Yeah. But I'm struggling with my 12 year old school starts at nine at nine Oh seven. She walks into my home office and says, you know, ask me a question or she's hungry. And I said, it's nine Oh seven. Oh, we're on our first break. I'm like, why do you need a break? You just started at nine yeah. o'clock. So any, any uh, advice to parents who are dealing with this homeschooling right now or uh, how to. I'll tell you what deal? we did. We yeah. did it. We did it for, and this is no reflection of teachers skills to teach online. None of that. Um, we did it for a week and I was like, that's it. This isn't homeschooling. This isn't, this is the worst of both worlds. And I, I, I just pulled her off and said, all right, let's, let's do homeschool. And we can get more done in two hours um, learning what she's interested in and how to spell and like what are the mathematics of this or whatever than what was going on online. So you are homeschooling your seven-year-old? Absolutely not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did that. I, we did that in the beginning oh, um, last year. Okay. Um, and then this year she's actually in-person schooling. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's got six kids in her class and it's the best it's the best thing right now yeah yeah i gotta find that yeah the, the online I, isn't working it doesn't work no uh, i i mean i learn online all the time and it's hard and it's done in a way for adults the adult education you know sitting on a zoom call no those are awful for everybody i'm i am zapped after a zoom call i can't even imagine what a kid's brain you know no way so Tell Sorry, that wasn't helpful to anyone. No, no. <laughs> we might edit that one out. I don't know. <laughs> that might that might be on the cutting room floor. Um, so you have a course parents could take that includes a coaching session called Young, Wild, and Safe. How does that work? Yeah, so that's an online course, and then I do we do some uh, Facebook lives and whatnot, and. It, it's a sexual, my, my real expertise, parenting, mm, my real expertise is sexual abuse prevention. Okay. That's, that's my MO. Um, and that's what Young, Wild and Safe is all about is how to help kids now with all the technology and everything that's going on. And it's a nature-based program. So it's really simple ways to introduce these concepts to really little kids without totally freaking them out. And the main piece that's different about this is I'm a free range parent. So I believe very much so that the safest place for kids is outside playing and the human trafficking, the, the sex trafficking thing really has got people freaked out in a lot of ways that their kids are going to get snatched off the street. And that's not the case. That's not how sex trafficking works. Um, there are a few cases here and there where that has happened. Um, but it's just to empower parents that they can keep their kids safe without locking them inside, which ultimately means that they're online, which is a lot. I'm more worried about what the kids are doing online than them riding around in a pack um, on bikes. Got it. That's good advice. And before we end, you know, we have a lot of parents listening today. What, what's, how do you sum up the best parenting advice you can give them? Um, and I know that's a hard question, but let's see what you do. Um, I usually end my podcast by saying, if in doubt, um, hug your kids and t put them outside. Take them outside. Just okay. put them outside. Any rain, shine, whatever. They need to go outside. And they Hurricanes. need to be in hurricanes. <laughs> they need to be in the dirt. They need to be riding their bikes. They need to be experiencing the physical world. Like get, 
life. Like, like we did in the 70s and 80s. Life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great advice, Emily. Well, listen, this is really fascinating. Good stuff. You made me think. You've taught me some things. I'm going to be following you on Facebook and, and part of your group. And I appreciate your time today. Really, yeah. really good stuff. Thank Contact you. Contact me anytime. I'll give you personal advice I, well, <laughs> and I'll call you. <laughs> I may. Yeah. You'll be calling me in a few years. I promise you. This is not as easy as it looks as they get older, especially with a girl. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Bye. Well, that uh, was Emily Goudreau. Uh, How to Raise a Maverick. I highly suggest you check out her Facebook uh, page. You listen to some of her podcasts. They were really enlightening. I'm going to go back and see some of the titles and listen to some of those in the, in the coming weeks and months. So thank you, Emily. If you enjoyed this, share this with a parent. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you can, if you want to listen to it or watch it. And I look forward to seeing you next time.